I think uh, physical realism and locality are both disproven unless one is prepared to entertain sometimes grotesque uh, theoretical fantasies. Tim Maudlin is a professor of physics and philosophy at New York University and has also been on the Theories of Everything channel twice, once before with Tim Palmer for a theolocution on superdeterminism, Bell's theorem, and fractals, as well as a solo episode, which is one of our most beloved physics episodes. Tim Maudlin is also helping organize the John Bell Institute, which is a foundation for research about the foundations of physics. I've donated to this GoFundMe as there aren't many places in the entire world that are dedicated to making progress at the foundational level. Rather, there are separate programs like Strings. The links to everything mentioned, including the John Bell Institute, are in the description. Bernardo Castrop holds a PhD, both in computer science and another in philosophy, and is now an advocate of what's called analytic idealism, the notion that the material world around us is a mere projection of mind, and that at the fundament, all that exists are mental elements, or are just one instance of one ontological type. This is distinct from Donald Hoffman, however, there are various overlaps and similarities. Bernardo also runs the Essentia Foundation, links to which are in the description, and he's been on the podcast before several times, once with Professor Viveki, Professor Susan Schneider, Professor Donald Hoffman, Professor Susan Blackmore, a solo episode, another with Christopher Langan and Sabine Hassenfelder. At the end of this episode will be an extremely lengthy update on the Theories of Everything channel. My name's Kurt J. Mungle, and welcome to the Theories of Everything podcast, where we explore toes from a theoretical physics and mathematical perspective, as well as a philosophical one. Enjoy this theolocution with Tim Maudlin and Bernardo Castrup. Okay, welcome, Bernardo. Welcome, Tim. Thank you all for coming on to the podcast again. I would just like to start by asking you, how is your day? How's your day been? And what are you all working on? We'll start with Tim, and then we'll go to you, Bernardo. Um, how's my day? Fine. It's rainy. <laughs> I went swimming. <laughs> that was nice. Uh, what am I working on? Well, what I've been working on on a large scale for uh, years and years, and I'm still trying to get through is a is a new account possible way of thinking of space and time as being discrete. And uh, that just requires a whole lot of choices and a lot of, you know, figuring out how to set the thing up. And uh, so that's kind of the biggest project that, I, that that's going on. Hopefully someday a book will come out. And you want it to be discrete because the continuum has too many problems or being discrete solves? I mean... Uh, First of all, everybody knows from antiquity it might be discrete. So it's, you know, it's a hypothesis worth investigating. And simply saying it's discrete doesn't nail down the geometry much at all. There are just lots and lots and lots of ways to try and realize that idea. Um, if it's discrete, then pretty clearly you're not going to run into singularities. That is, all the math will will be set up in a way that um, no, no calculation can yield a value that exceeds all bounds the way it can in a continuum. So sure, there'll be certain technical problems that simply can't arise in such a setting. But, um, and the other thing is if you do it discreetly, it's, it's pretty hard to avoid having a kind of preferred foliation, which is something I want for reasons of explaining non-locality and violations of Bell's inequality. So it's just kind of built into it from the beginning, um, which to me, that's not a bug. That's a feature. All right. Okay, Bernardo. So how's your day? And what are you working on these days? I have so far had a, a good day. Um, 
I just finished writing one of the two books that I had committed um, to my publisher for this year. The other one is ongoing, but I, I sort of, I'm digressing because um, some new ideas popped in my mind and, uh, and I can't avoid but pursue them. I am looking at um, the potential synergy between uh, some form of objective idealism and integrated information theory. Because I think um, IIT um, potentially offers an account for dissociation, which is critical for objective idealism. So I've been giving it a, a lot of thought, even though I promised myself I would just think about it after I'm done with the second book. <laughs> uh, I, I can't help. Um, I, I am sort of uh, I'm being attacked by these thoughts and I, and I have no defenses. So I think I'm going to pursue this more seriously once I finish the second book. Well, publishing one book in two years is difficult. So how are you managing to publish two books in one year? Is it stream of consciousness? Do you already have the ideas sorted out? Uh, well, I haven't written anything in three years. Uh, I sort of okay. took a break uh, for three years, focusing purely on Essential Foundation and getting that going. Um, the books, the, but by the time I start writing them, they are in my mind already. I, I don't I don't know whether I'm typical in this respect. Maybe I'm I'm anomalous. Maybe I'm a weird guy. But I, I don't um, I don't decide to write a book. Usually, the book comes to me, and I just have to sit down and write when I have time. So this year it's two, and I run it past my publisher, and they thought, yeah, let's do two year two two books this year because you haven't done anything three years. I was on a holiday, so now I have to compensate. Professor Maudlin, people already know about the John Bell Institute because it will be in the introduction, but even though it will be there, can you please outline what it is and what your ongoing challenges are and why it's important for physics for there to be an institute like this? Sure, I'd be glad to. Um, so it's the John Bell Institute for the Foundations of Physics, and it's devoted to the foundations of physics, which is a field that, as I like to say, is a kind of orphan in terms of the standard academic structure of universities. Um, because physics departments have kind of don't teach courses in foundations of physics. And the people who do it are divided among physics departments, math departments, and philosophy departments. So it, it just doesn't really have a home. Uh, and so what I was basically trying to do was find a home for it. Uh, the, the governing board by charter has two, two physicists, two mathematicians and two philosophers. So we're trying to bring in people with these different backgrounds and provide a venue in which they can talk to each other and have workshops and have summer schools. Um, the physical place right now, I'm in the middle of trying to secure a physical location for it in Croatia. And we're trying to raise funds and, and maybe be able to partner with uh, the University of Split, if we're lucky, to, to do that and then just provide a home for it because it's, it doesn't have a home. Nobody, you know, it's just hasn't fit into the curriculum uh, and doesn't fit in many funding, normal funding channels. Like if you go to the National Science Foundation and look for money for something like this. It just, you know, they don't, it doesn't fit in the programs they have set up. So 
Um, yeah, I've been doing that for the last five years. It was first getting the people together, which is the most important thing. And now this uh, technical, this uh, logistical part of trying to find a physical location where we can set up, which we have the location, but we need to see if we can acquire it. So all of that's going on right now, and we'll see how it comes out. And links to all of what's been mentioned will be in the description, as usual. Bernardo did the 2022 Nobel Prize disprove so-called local realism. Why or why not? And then, Tim, you'll respond afterward. I can only speak for my own perspective, because in Foundations of Physics, you can find people espousing any position uh, with this regard. Some think it disproved nothing. Some think it disproved only locality. Some think it disproved physical realism. Some think it disproved both. Uh, my personal position is that it did disprove not only um, locality, but physical realism. And I say physical realism because I'm a realist. I just don't think that reality as it is in itself is amenable to description by physical quantities. So I think physicality is the result of measurement, but there is an objective thing that is measured. It's just not amenable to physical description. I think that that has uh, been proven. Um, physical realism in particular, I mean, everybody talks about Bell inequalities, but there are Tony Leggett's inequalities as well from his paper in Foundations of Physics 2003. And some of those inequalities that have been experimentally shown uh, now to be the case, um, they, they sort of zero in on physical realism, um, independent of locality. And um, those inequalities have been shown to be the case. So, you know, large classes of non-local uh, hidden variables theories have been refuted. I mean... Based on those experiments alone, you could say, well, Bohmian mechanics is still in the race, but there are so many other excellent reasons to get rid of, to not even consider Bohmian mechanics. Like it doesn't have a relativistic extension and arguably any relativistic extension of Bohmian mechanics would destroy the, the, the particle nature, the, the marble-like nature of particles in Bohmian mechanics and extend everything back to fields. So, uh, yeah, I think, uh, Physical realism and locality are both disproven unless one is prepared to entertain sometimes grotesque uh, theoretical fantasies. All right. Professor. My response? That was silly. I, I mean, it's just what he said was just silly. Um, how could you have a theory? You have actually several theories. The GRW theory will predict the results of these experiments. The many worlds theory will predict the results of these experiments insofar as you can understand it. A pilot wave theory, whether you're using particles or fields, you can have part, you know, a, a pilot wave theory using fields if you prefer them. That'll predict the results of these experiments. They're all non-local theories. The experiments refute locality. How could they, how could a physical experiment refute Whatever, I don't know what you mean by physical realism, that there's a physical world. How could you do that? If all of those theories can describe the laboratory in purely physical terms, can give you dynamics for the, for the things in purely mathematical physical terms, and will predict exactly what happened. So the results of those experiments cannot conceivably refute physical reality or physical realism, whatever you mean by that. Because they're predicted by clear physical theories. 
So I, that's I, stupid. That's just so stupid. It's all it refutes. You it's have just completely you have stupid. Non, I'm sorry. Let me finish. You have non-local theories like a pilot wave theory that's clearly non-local, collapse theory that's clearly non-local. They predict these results. Period. So the so result that's just stupid. Okay, hold on. Um, Professor, you're, you're finished? Yeah. Okay. Kurt, I'm not sure I want to do this. Somebody who already starts by saying this is just silly, when 80% of the community takes these statements seriously. Uh, this is a non-physicist. Let's start uh, from that. No, let's not, not doing start from physical that. research. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, who did not okay, win okay. the Nobel Prize well, last year. So if that's how he's going to behave, I, I'll, I'll stop right now. Good. Somebody who just calls me silly with the phrase, we even have an interaction. Fantasy. I'm not going You're to the do one this. Who started with the I, I love you, man. I really love you. Uh, but th this is not an appropriate start. This is not, there's no sense of collegiality or respect. Uh, I'm up for a um, hard engagement but not an engagement whose first word is, this is just silly. No. I was responding you. to saying you. Screw you. I have no respect for you, sir. Okay. So, Bernardo, uh, Kurt, please. I'm going to leave. I love you, man. I really didn't want this, but uh, this is not something I am willing to do. There is no sense of professional cordiality uh, or respect uh, in this. Okay. And he's repeating things that are just stupid to say that the many worlds theory explains the results of these experiments is a grotesque theoretical fantasy. So I'm not going to participate in this. Okay? Ciao, buddy. So I'm sorry. Maybe you can interview us separately, but I'm not going to, to interact with uh, this individual. You're the one right? who started it. Okay. You started oh, with this thing oh. like theoretical fantasies. Oh. You started with the insulting language. And I'm not going to sit here and listen to it and not give the truth. And okay, the Kurt, don't know uh, what you're I'll, I'll keep in touch okay? with you. And the truth is a bunch okay? of things that are clear. Take care, man. Love you. Razor blades are like diving boards. The longer the board, the more the wobble, the more the wobble, the more nicks, cuts, scrapes. A bad shave isn't a blade problem, it's an extension problem. Henson is a family-owned aerospace parts manufacturer that's made parts for the International Space Station and the Mars rover. Now they're bringing that precision engineering to your shaving experience. By using aerospace-grade CNC machines, Henson makes razors that extend less than the thickness of a human hair. The razor also has built-in channels that evacuates hair and cream, which make clogging virtually impossible. Henson Shaving wants to produce the best razors, not the best razor business. So that means no plastics, no subscriptions, no proprietary blades, and no planned obsolescence. It's also extremely affordable. The Henson Razor works with the standard dual-edge blades that give you that old-school shave with the benefits of this new-school tech. It's time to say no to subscriptions and yes to a razor that'll last you a lifetime. Visit hensonshaving.com everything. If you use that code, you'll get two years worth of blades for free. Just make sure to add them to the cart. Plus 100 free blades when you head to H-E-N-S-O-N-S-H-A-V-I-N-G dot com slash everything and use the code everything. All right, well, that was rather unfortunate. Sometimes there are clashes between ideas, sometimes between personalities. Sometimes there are misreckonings, sometimes misunderstandings. This just happens and is part of the process. Both Tim and Bernardo said it was okay to air this, and so 
there we have it. It was my understanding that Tim was saying that the ideas proposed by Bernardo were silly rather than Bernardo himself. And I hope that both parties can come to see this as a mere misconstruence, a mistranslation. And the floor to resolving this is open. The door is open. The theories of everything door is open if both would like to come on again. Certainly both will be coming on individually. So Tim Maudlin will be coming on in a few months. And there's a new system here on Toe where you can leave a question by typing the word query with a colon and then the questions. This applies to any episode, like I mentioned, like if you want to leave a question for Lou Elizondo when he comes on next, if you want to leave a question for Jonathan Oppenheim or Edward Frankel. I've also started this tradition where on every episode or every other episode, I'll highlight a comment and read it because hey, if you're like me, then you don't have many people to speak to about these subjects outside of conversing online and digitally. This is my way of not only highlighting a certain comment, but also encouraging the community that we've established. The last time it was Bijou's comments about there being no wave function of the universe, at least from one point of view, but from another point of view, there does exist a wave function of the universe. This time I want to tell you about a comment not attached to a podcast, but attached to a post. And to explain that, I'm going to just read the post for you so that you have some context. Dear friends, As I sit down to write this, I want to express my deepest gratitude. Your support, engagement, and the passion for the Theories of Everything podcast have been the driving force behind this endeavor. We've built a community that shares a fervor for science and philosophy, and for that, I'm eternally grateful, truly. Despite our 240,000 subscribers and the vibrant community that we've built, the past 11 months have been challenging. Behind the scenes, our channel has been grappling with financial struggles. Our content, deeply rooted in science and philosophy, unfortunately falls into a category that doesn't fetch the highest ad revenue on YouTube, to say the least. This isn't just our struggle. Even Sabine Hossenfelder recently mentioned a similar issue. During 2023, I've been working harder than ever, which I didn't think was possible, often at the expense of personal and family time. The effort that goes into each Toe episode is immense. I pour my heart and soul into researching and studying for each episode to ensure that we deliver the most in-depth and high-quality content, forcing myself to watch myself even, which is extremely cringeworthy as you can imagine, so that I can improve on each episode. Despite my love for studying for Toes and the joy I derive from interacting with our guests and community, the financial returns have been far from promising. This letter is a discussion or disclosure by me on what's been going on behind the scenes at Toe. Our struggles have been exacerbated by issues with sponsorships, which were once a significant part of our revenue. Despite the promise of good returns, the sponsorships recently turned out to be a financial setback. Unforeseen expenses such as poor deals that we weren't aware of until later, writing scripts, dealing with the sponsor intermediaries, acquiring products for review that were sent across the border, and then paying our dedicated editor have strained our resources. There were even instances where we unknowingly did sponsored spots for free, believing that we were being paid. That's right, for free. This is unheard of. However, I take full responsibility for these mishaps, and I sincerely apologize for any disruption they may have caused to our content. I've had and still have no podcasting mentors, nor connections. Zero. Everything's been built from the ground up. I've learned some hard lessons along the way. There were several times when we interviewed large names and they didn't so much as tweet about Toe, despite them promoting other podcasters. I would be disingenuous if I were to pretend I'm not a tad bit hurt, but that's just how it goes. Luckily, the depth and breadth of our content have always been a point of pride at Theories of Everything. In fact, the guests themselves invariably remark on air and off air how this is the most thorough, the most in-depth of any conversation with them out there. Wonderfully, even the comment sections seem to echo the sentiment. Like, man, oh man, that's fantastic. I believe in quality, 
over quantity, at least for Toe, and work to ensure that every single episode is not just informative with meticulous timestamps, but also thought-provoking and engaging. Hearing from you and the community about how Toe has ignited intellectual curiosity, changed lives, inspired you, helped you through your own dark nights, and provided a platform for discussions that might otherwise be out of reach, fuels my commitment. It's an honor and a privilege. I too know what it feels like to be lonely in this space of physics, math, AI, consciousness, without anyone to talk to who doesn't look at you like a nerdy quantum quirkster, other than, say, virtually. To keep Toe alive and thriving, we're working on several projects. So for instance, number one, we're developing an artificial intelligence tool to recover old audio and improve the sound of episodes like the old Chomsky episodes. Number two, there's a lost lecture of Stephen Wolfram's from MindFest that we're recovering the audio from by developing, again, an AI tool. And this tool should prove helpful for future podcasts as well. Number three, we're working on translating our episode into different languages to reach a wider audience. You'll now see there are several accurately captioned languages. Number four, I would like to do more in-person interviews. Number five, I would like to do compilation episodes on specific topics from several guests. So usually you have one guest speaking on several topics. What about if we just said, hey, does quantum mechanics give rise to consciousness? Yes or no. And then we have every guest on that subject. Or hey, what is the physics of free will? And we have every guest on that subject. Most channels of our size have teams, but Toe doesn't. It's just me and the editor, and we each work more than full-time. I would be remiss if I didn't mention the darling angel that is my wife, of course. Without her, there would be no toe. There may not even be a Kurt. You'll see many other YouTubers interviewing the same people, and that's because it pays significantly more to go with what works. On toe, I've purposefully chosen not to interview high-profile guests that I feel like are featured on the podcast circuit repeatedly. Now, the positive side of interviewing people repeatedly is that it opens you up to massive connections and influence. But on the deleterious side, I feel like it would sacrifice a modicum of character, in my likely wrong opinion. Instead, I've opted to bring hidden gems like Michael Levin, who has astounding theories and studies to the forefront and to delve extensively into them. Therefore, I'm reaching out to you, our loyal subscribers, for support. Your contribution would go a long way in helping us maintain and improve the quality of our content, ensuring the longevity of Toe. If you would like to contribute to Toe, there are two primary ways, both listed in the description. There's number one, Patreon, at patreon.com slash kurtjimungle. There's number two, PayPal, at tinyurl slash paypal, T-O-E, with a capital T-O-E, lowercase PayPal. In fact, PayPal gives more to the creator. Every dollar helps. It's difficult to underestimate how your support keeps Toe and myself and my wife going, both financially in terms of the emotional support, knowing there are people who will voluntarily donate something that they could have spent in innumerable ways somewhere else for no other reason than they want to help out. If you already support Toe and want to increase your donation, then of course we would more than welcome that as well. Thank you again for being part of the Toe community your continued backing and engagement mean the world to us. Here's to exploring even more theories of everything together. Warm regards, Kurt Jaimungle. P.S. If you're ever curious about what future projects there are of Toe, you can always message me with specific questions. Me and or my wife read every single comment and try to respond when we can. There's also a day in the life of a hectic time at Toe, and luckily it's no longer anywhere near as shambolic. Despite the turmoil of the past 11 months, They've simultaneously been the most rapturous of my life. It's a blessing. Thank you dearly. Man, thank you. Thank you so much. 
after the posting of that letter, there's been a flurry of support, not only from you, from the audience, but also from other podcasters. Coincidentally enough, Theo Vaughn, a channel with over 2 million subscribers, just talked about this same issue happening to him on his channel with being cheated over sponsor deals and also waiting approximately a year before saying anything publicly because we're not allowed to. Here's a 65-second snippet from September 2023 on Theo Vaughn's channel. Link in the description. Uh, so yeah, you can keep that money, um, but you can't get me to shut up, man. You know how many other podcasters wanted to say this shit right now but can't say it? The way that people are able to cheat and lie and, and manipulate the system. Fuck, it's just fucking kind of sad, man. And Yeah, but I just wanted to speak up for myself, man. I've waited a year to speak up for myself. They put us through so much bullshit. And I don't know if there's other people over there that did it too. And maybe we'll get more information. I don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't do that to somebody. And he, they, they, they did it. Man, they did it to, I mean, some of these people's podcasts this is all they had, man. And these motherfuckers did that, bro. So I'm sorry about that. Um, and I'm sorry for them. And yeah, I'm just happy to have a voice for myself. And that's one thing that we built here that, that he had nothing to do with. He had nothing to do with. In fact, he stole on our backs once, and I'm not letting these people do it to me two times. So for anybody that had to take that, that sucker deal over there, uh, this vo I'm speaking on behalf, uh, for all of us, man, because um, I know that some of you guys have said to me that you wanted to say some of these same things. And Notes and the person he's speaking about has nothing to do with Toe. I just want to make that clear, though we've gone through what's similar. One comment of the over 500, like, man, this post alone has more comments on it than when I ask for questions for Yosha Bach. Or for Noam Chomsky, like, holy moly, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. So now the following comes from an email, which was precipitated by the YouTube community post that I just shared. Actually, it was by my thank you email to this person. Hi, Kurt. The decision to donate was entirely motivated by gratitude for the great conversations and information your channel has brought me. In terms of feedback, maybe what I value most about Toe is the depth that you're willing to go to for the complex topics. It's clear that you genuinely want to understand the nuances of each and attempt to reconcile with similar and competing ideas. I love that you're willing to bring up the competing theories and complementary views, even get people to foster many sharing ideas like Michael Levin and Yosha Bach, two people I'm a huge fan of. That said, sometimes I feel like you put a bit too much pressure on yourself in terms of preparation. I love that intent, but it struck me as a bit excessive, and I'm sure you're aware for the need for balance and probably agonize over it. Just know that I don't expect you to have an encyclopedic knowledge of decades of some person's work just to adequately interview them. I understand how tricky this balance must be, though. I'm going to comment on that in one moment, but just here's one more that touched my heart. And this one is by James Mackey. Thank you for all your work. It's meant a great deal to me. In 2015, I was sleeping on sofas, listless and destructive. Now I have my PhD at the London College of Music coming up, and I'm lecturing this year at Durham College, and I'm pleased with who I am today. Much of what I like about myself, I've modeled on the values I see in yourself and your interviewees. Serene, sincere, kind, and concerned. I found a tremendous consolation in discovering the academic community with you over the last five years or so. You've been a role model and introduced me to several, many other role models. The comments that I'm going to start reading at the end of the episodes aren't always just effusive thank you comments to me. They're generally going to be about other podcasts and ideas and theories, but because of the preceding YouTube community posts that I just mentioned, I thought it was apt to talk about this. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Also, with regard to the pressure and the reason why I study so hard, it's not actually because I want to have the best quote-unquote interview. It's because the goal of the Theories of Everything podcast is in part, in large part, for me to understand every theory. 
And in order to do so, I study super hard because I'm speaking with the author of a theory and I don't want to waste this opportunity. In other words, the production of a podcast is the side effect of me just trying to understand theories, particularly theories of everything, the largest theories. So that's not something I've made clear and I hope this helps demystify the reason for why am I putting on so much pressure to study for each guest. It's not just to have a great interview because maybe I could study half as much or even 20% as much. It's because I want to understand the theories. There's also playlists. So if you want, you can look in the YouTube description. There's several playlists for Toe. You can click on that so you can go through episodes one by one if you like. Every episode on Toe is edited so there's no large spikes in the volume or loud jumps with music so that people can listen as they sleep. Because I know I used to listen to podcasts as I sleep and I would dislike when they would just quote someone and then the levels were obscene and it would wake me and then I couldn't fall back asleep because I'm worried it's not going to happen again. That won't happen for Toe. If you personally want to message me to get in contact for whatever reason, for sponsorships, for donations, for support, just telling me what Toe has meant to you, if that's what you want, then you can email me directly at Toe, so T-O-E, at IndieFilmTO.com. So that's I-N-D-I-E-F-I-L-M-T-O.com. Toe at IndieFilmTO.com. Thank you so much for all your support. Thank you, thank you. The podcast is now concluded. Thank you for watching. If you haven't subscribed or clicked that like button, now would be a great time to do so as each subscribe and like helps YouTube push this content to more people. You should also know that there's a remarkably active Discord and subreddit for Theories of Everything where people explicate toes, disagree respectfully about theories, and build as a community our own toes. Links to both are in the description. Also, I recently found out that external links count plenty toward the algorithm, which means that when you share on Twitter, on Facebook, on Reddit, etc., it shows YouTube that people are talking about this outside of YouTube, which in turn greatly aids the distribution on YouTube as well. Last but not least, you should know that this podcast is on iTunes, it's on Spotify, it's on every one of the audio platforms. Just type in theories of everything and you'll find it. Often I gain from rewatching lectures and podcasts, and I read that in the comments, hey, toll listeners also gain from replaying. So how about instead re-listening on those platforms? iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, whichever podcast catcher you use. If you'd like to support more conversations like this, then do consider visiting patreon.com slash Kurt Jimungle and donating with whatever you like. Again, it's support from the sponsors and you that allow me to work on Toe full-time. You get early access to ad-free audio episodes there as well. For instance, this episode was released a few days earlier. Every dollar helps far more than you think. Either way, your viewership is generosity enough.